0: Welcome to the Wake Up Your Warrior podcast with me, Christine Cohen. Every week, we will share conversations with humans whose lives have been transformed by the power of movement on their mental health, break down the latest neuroscience, and hopefully inspire you to wake up your inner warrior to fight for the best versions of you every single day. Let's get into today's episode.
1: Hey warrior, welcome back to another
0: episode. I'm seeing you multiple times this week because we are replaying my live talks from my workshop that's happening this week called how to naturally improve your mental health. And each day we're just diving deeper into that topic and covering specific realms of how to do that. And today, on day two, we focused on our nervous system and how we have the power to influence our nervous system, which was once thought to be completely like untouchable. Think about you know all the things that happen automatically, breathing and um, your heart rate and digestion and all that other fun stuff that happens automatically. We don't have to think about it, but our um, fight or flight or freeze mechanism also is in that autonomic nervous system automatic nervous system but we have the ability to impact it through different techniques and so I am taking you through how we do that, why that actually works, and the science that supports all of it. So it's a really, really fascinating day. We're we're going to do some breath work together. We go through some breath work techniques and how that actually helps regulate our nervous system, so you can bring yourself into that calm, safe, grounded state that we all feel. And and live our best lives in, and also how to kind of stimulate yourself intentionally so that you can actually practice getting better, getting more resilient at stress. We're also gonna dive into nutrition today because of course we have to talk about nutrition when we talk about naturally improving our mental health. And we're really talking about, I didn't wanna just tell you you know, the same things over and over because at the end of the day, it's, you've heard it before, but I wanted you to understand why it makes such a difference. Why is it so important for our mental health to have certain types of protein? What do those proteins do for our brain chemicals, for how we feel? And the same thing with our blood sugar. How sometimes do we misinterpret blood sugar imbalances because we're feeling anxious, we're feeling irritable, we're feeling hangry, and even when we wake up in the middle of the night, it can be a blood sugar-driven disturbance, um, cortisol disturbance, and so for those of us who have insomnia, for those of us who wake up really early, like, but with tons of anxiety already flowing through our system, I have some very practical, very doable suggestions for you. So. We're diving in. It's so so good. Um, take some notes as you listen, and of course, you can still sign up to watch the videos. All you need to do is go to the link below, sign in, and you'll get the emails that include the links to watch the replays on video. Which I have amazing visual visuals to go along with everything that I'm talking about. And I know some of this is pretty dense, even though I'm confident I'm making it kind of light and fun, but having a visual to sort of put a picture to all these words is so helpful, and so you should not miss out on that. All right, so let's dive into day two of how to naturally improve your mental health.
1: So today, welcome to day two of how to naturally improve your mental health. Um, You met me yesterday. I'm Christine Cohen. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist. I focus on helping people improve their mental health naturally through the lens of neuroscience, through the lens of nutrition, through the lens of getting their body back into balance and addressing the physical root causes that are impacting our mental health. We're going to dive more into what that means today. But first, we need to really like get our bodies and our minds Ready to take in this information. And we did this yesterday, and you bet your butt you were going to do it again today. We're having another dance party because I want you to shift your energy from whatever it is, whatever you're leaving, you know, whatever's going on in your life, in the world, in your day today. I want this dance party to be a shift marker of energy. And so you're going to leave whatever it is. Before, we're going to dance it out. We're going to shake it out. We're just
0: going to breathe, get our energy up, get our vibration up. That not only puts us in a state where we feel better, but it actually puts us in a state where our brains
1: are able to learn better because movement allows us to create new memories better. And guess what learning is? Making new memories. <laughs> so it's if you have something to study for, or if you're trying to learn something new, It is amazing to do even just a short bit of movement before you sit down to read that book or study or whatever. You'll retain the information better. I'm not making it up. I'm just sharing it. So let's kick this off with one of my favorite songs. It's, listen, it's a little outplayed, but since I don't listen to the radio, I still love it. Let me uh, do a quick
2: I always forget how to do this. Oh, now I remember. Okay. Think about
3: it. There must be a higher love down in the heart or hidden in the stars above. Without it, life is a wasted time look inside your heart and I look inside mine. Things look so bad everywhere. In this whole world, what is fair? We walk the line and try to see. Falling behind. What could be
1: We are here. We are alive. cameo by Knox. <laughs> he stayed on my lap the whole time. <laughs> he didn't even move. He's so social and loves being um loves cuddling. Woo! All right, energy is shifted. Let's do this. So I do want to share my screen with you today, but I don't want you to like have to look at it the whole time. Um, but again, there's gonna be great visuals today, so I want you to have that in your mind, and then I will share the worksheet with you, or the workbook rather, uh, in the replay. So today is day two,
0: and we are gonna to be touching on a natural method to improve your mental health. So we're doing natural methods and we're doing like natural solutions because they are both powerful. Um, the natural methods can be utilized pretty much by anyone, anytime. Um, And you would, I'm going to teach you like the best times to utilize these tools on purpose. And um, the natural solutions, which are like the more deeper functional medicine, nutrition, supplement stuff
1: is going to be a little bit more in depth, right? And
0: not All of that information is going to apply to everyone because we're all individualized, and what is causing our mental health to be off is going to be different for all of us, even if we're experiencing similar symptoms,
1: which is kind of what we learned yesterday. Even though there, you know, it might look
0: like there's water on the floor, it could be coming from many different places. And so it's up to us to start to discover and treat the root causes of our individualized
1: um stuff so the natural methods we're going to talk
0: about today are vagus nerve stimulation and then we're going to do some breath work techniques so we'll start off with that and then we're going to dive into nutrition today
1: we're going to dive into why nutrition is key when it comes to your mental health we're going to talk
0: about the nervous system how that plays into vagus nerve and how that impacts how we feel and then we're also going to dive into anxiety
1: blood sugar, cortisol, and stress, and some sleep stuff. So it all intersects, which is really cool. Um, And I'm excited to talk to you about it. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Just checking the chat. Don't
0: feel free to just chime in whenever, and I will either read it at the
1: end or I'll read it when we, um, you know, throughout. Yes. 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 Cool. All right. I'm going to share my screen because this is
2: too good for you not to see. I stole the song in my head.
1: All right. So vagus nerve and our mental health. What the heck? is that what's the vagus nerve does anybody know has anyone ever heard of the vagus nerve or or anything about it so the vagus nerve is a nerve and you can see it in the photo here that actually starts up here in our brain stem and sections out to both sides of our neck And then, like a wandering vagrant, literally breaks apart and goes and has, like, it touches, connects to every organ in our body. It travels down the side of our neck, across our chest, down through our abdomen, networking the brain with the stomach, the digestive tract, the lungs, the heart, the spleen, the intestines, the liver, the kidneys, and not to mention a range of other nerves that are involved in our speech, our eye contact, our facial expressions, and even our ability to tune into other people's voices. The gut and the brain send messages back and forth to each other all day. The heart, and the brain send messages back and forth to each other all day. And even more interesting, the gut, the heart, our organs are actually sending more messages to the brain than the brain is sending to the body. So the body is constantly sending the brain information more than the brain is sending down to the body. You're going to understand in a second why that's so key when it comes to... Us being able to regulate how we feel. So the vagus nerve is really important when it comes to our mental health because it is one of the primary ways that we regulate the rest, repair, and digest state or the fight or flight state. So most of us have probably heard of fight or flight yeah, it's when you heart races, adrenaline pumps up. Usually, we click right into this state, like when we
0: are driving in a car and almost get in, you know, like the car stops short in front of us, and then we slam on the brakes and we feel that flush, that flood of adrenaline.
1: Or when, you know, think about like you're walking down the street and you see this like strange dog that looks a little bit scary, you know, you're gonna feel this. Increase in heart rate, this increase in adrenaline, you're going to feel the fear building inside your body. That's fight or flight. We can also get into fight or flight by just thinking ourselves there. How many times has anyone been home alone? And you really <laughs> start to curse yourself for watching all those freaking true crime documentaries and podcasts, and you hear a noise and you're like, what? What was that, right? And you feel like your heart race, you feel it flood your body. That's fight or flight. Rest, digest, uh, repair mode, recovery mode, safety mode is the other side, is the opposite of fight or flight. This is where we feel safe, we feel calm, we feel relaxed, we feel our best selves. Our brain actually is firing, uh, like the main decision-making part of our brain is actually firing instead of the fear-based part of our brain. And that's where we want to primarily live most of the day. Fight or flight is meant for us to enter into, you know, when our body senses danger and then pretty much come down from. It's not meant to be stuck in. It's not meant for us to stay in fight or flight. But because our environment, our lifestyle is evolutionarily mismatched, (laughs) think about how different we as humans live today versus even 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 150 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 10,000 years ago. We're not a match for the way that we live our lives these days. And so we experience chronic stress, chronic life stress, chronic environmental stress. And what happens is we get dysregulated and we get stuck in fight or flight mode, or as you're going to see in a second, freeze mode. So I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but the vagus nerve is what regulates us from that safe grounded mode to stress fight or flight mode Back to safe grounded mode, it brings us back and forth throughout those two states whenever is needed. It is extremely important that it functions well because of that exact fact that we don't want to get stuck in fight or flight stressed state. We don't want to have our nervous system stuck in that state. The cool thing about the vagus nerve, just like a muscle, is that we can actually tone it to become stronger, to function better. And we can measure how strong our vagus nerve is functioning through something called heart rate variability. So, if you think of the vagus nerve as this like massive highway, right, where cars are going up from the body to the brain and then down from the brain to the body. Imagine some crazy interstate, right? Where there's traffic, where there's a block, right? There's maybe the road is closed and there's a backup. If something like that happens on the highway of our vagus nerve, we're not going to be able to regulate our nervous system and therefore our emotional state as well as we could if that highway was free and clear and everything was moving as it should. This is key for us being able to come out of a stress state and we don't so we don't get stuck there for many reasons. One of the main reasons that being stuck in a stress state is not good is because it is where our body's immune system is its weakest. If we're in a chronically stressed state, we can't fully heal our biochemistry. Regardless of what protocols you are following, supplements you are taking, if you are stuck in a chronically stressed state, your body cannot fully heal. So, we measure how strong, how well, how clear that highway is through something called heart rate variability. Heart rate variability is the difference of space. Between the beats of our heart. So, if you look at this bottom chart that I have down here with these little like spikes, you can see this measure between the arrows is the distance between heartbeats, somebody's heartbeat. The key to having, um, the key to measuring good vagal tone is having a high heart rate variability which means the space between our heartbeats varies highly. That is good. Having a low heart rate variability basically means that we have low vagal tone and we have low adaptability to stress. So we can actually sense this and we're gonna take a minute to do this together. So we can actually sense Our heart rate variability, or at least the beats of our heart, if we get really quiet and we feel our pulse. So, we're going to just take a few seconds to see if you can sense a change in your heartbeats as you breathe. And so, you're going to take your two forefingers and you're going to find your pulse right here, kind of on like the outer side of your wrist. And you can close your eyes and we're going to get really quiet just so you can tune in and sense that pulse. And I'm not having you count them or anything. You're just going to sense what your heartbeats feel like as you're breathing in nice and deep and slowly. So let's take a minute to do this. So if you notice, as you inhale, your heart rate increases slightly. As you inhale, your pulse speeds up. And as you exhale, your heart rate or your pulse decreases slightly. So every time you inhale, your heartbeat speeds up. And every time you exhale, your heartbeat slows down. This is heart rate variability. The bigger the difference, in your heartbeats the higher your vagal tone is and the overall healthier you are you are and it is as well there are other ways to measure how well how strong your vagal tone is and I'll mention those in a little bit so one of the main things like i mentioned that connects the gut to the brain is this vagus nerve most people might have heard that 70 to 80% of our immune system is in the gut. Well, why is this? This is the easiest way for a pathogen, a bacteria, something that could hurt us to enter the body due to the direct link of our gut to the outside environment. Think about it. We swallow things, it has direct access to our gut. So therefore, Having a strong defense system is important for the gut so that it can have a lot of immune cells there so that it can protect us and provide immunity as a first line of defense. So our gut has its own immune system within the lining of the tissue. Now, the microbiome helps regulate the inflammatory response and it also affects our brain. Think about it. When you often hear that gut health is the basis of health or that all disease begins in the guts, this is kind of where that stems from in part. So the way the gut communicates with the brain is through the vagus nerve. And this, because this nerve is a key access component. The vagus nerve is this information superhighway and without it, the gut and the microbiome impact is limited. And they actually have demonstrated this in studies where the vagus nerve has been cut. And so there can't be any communication um, in that pathway from the brain and the gut because they cut the vagus nerve and it has tremendous, tremendous um, consequences. So the gut and brain send messages back and forth to each other. A gut feeling, right? Think about, we get this feeling in our gut, a gut feeling about it. It's a good feeling. It's not a good feeling, whatever. But a gut feeling is often your gut's immune system tissue, your gut bacteria, sensing something potentially dangerous in the environment, and sending a message to your brain alerting you to a possible threat. Then the brain's job is to actually scan the environment to figure out if it is actually a threat. For instance, is that a strange person that you hear walking down this dark alley behind you? Is that actually the threat, or is it a friend that you know, and therefore it's not a threat? So we get the message, the brain interprets it. So the brain and the gut being connected is vital here because the vagus nerve helps send these signals back and forth, back and forth about stress, back and forth about anxiety, our mood, our behavior, and it is um, a vital role of the vagus nerve that it plays. So the vagus nerve is part of what's called the autonomic nervous system. Automatic. It just happens. And it was named this because these are things like breathing and digestion, stuff we don't have to think about, and it happens automatically. Same thing with regulating in and out of these stress states, our heartbeat, all of that happens automatically. But it's all connected in this nervous system. And it was thought for years that because it was Automatic that we could not have any control over it. But what we're learning now is we absolutely can have control on impacting our nervous system. So, this is the system that takes care of our body's physiology without us consciously having to do anything. And it is the gas pedal as well as the brake when it comes to our stress response. So the gas pedal on the fight, flight, or the brake to calm us down. The key thing to remember here is that you cannot be pressing on the gas and on the brake at the same time. You might try, but actually you can't. So what that means is you cannot be in a stressed state and a calm state at the same time. You're either in one or the other. There are, very, like, there are levels to them, but ultimately you can't be in what's called the sympathetic nervous system state, which is also called fight or flight. And you can see that here in the yellow section, right in the center. You can't be in sympathetic nervous system and parasympathetic nervous system, which is our safety mode here in green, also called social engagement. You can't be in both at the same time. But we can get better at becoming more resilient, training our body physiologically to become more resilient to move out of sympathetic state and into social engagement state. So the green section, the social engagement safety mode, I like to call this, or grounded mode, this is where our body feels calm. This is where we feel the most like ourselves. We feel settled. We are in our body. We feel grounded. This is where we feel safe enough to open up and get curious about our environment, to be open to having things come in. This is where we're able to tap into compassion and empathy. We're able to think and make our best decisions for our best well-being from this nervous system state because the part of our brain that is responsible for that is in the driver's seat. This is where we get mindful and present. So can you think of some things in life that you that help you be in this social engagement state? Anything could be a bath, could be a great shower, maybe it's exercise, like after after you exercise, maybe it's meditation, maybe it's after taking a walk, maybe it's singing, maybe it's cooking, maybe, right? What is it for you that helps you get into or stay in? This social engagement mode. Let's talk about fight or flight. So let's look at the yellow section. This is when our sympathetic nervous system is activated. Danger mode, hyper arousal. This is where we get, we feel like there is a threat and our survival is in danger. So this is where our heart rate increases. This is where our heartbeat increases. This is where our breath becomes really short. Our vision becomes really focused we experience um, all sorts of emotions here if we stay but this is where anxiety attacks happen this is where we feel anxiety period this is where panic attacks happen this is just being in a state of in your mind where your thoughts are racing and ruminating and you're thinking about worst case scenarios or you're just worried or maybe you're having an OCD like spiral Um, We can experience our rage here, our irritation, our frustration, our our anger. This is where anger happens, being hungry and angry. So even not getting enough food will send the body into fight or flight mode because that is a danger to our existence. If we don't get enough food, yeah, that is a danger. And it's going to motivate us and give us the adrenaline to go out and get the food that we need. So how many of us feel like we're stuck in the sympathetic fight or flight state? I feel like it is a common, common place for us to be, to be stuck in, stay in, to live in, and we don't even realize we're dysregulated. We don't even realize it. The last stage is the freeze state. The freeze state is when we feel like our life is threatened. It's actually a hypo arousal. This is where depression exists in this nervous system state. In the freeze state is where we shut down, is where we disassociate from what's happening around us, where we feel numb, where we feel helpless. our pain threshold is actually increased here so that we don't experience um, a lot of, like we don't experience physical pain here. I shouldn't say that, but our dial is turned down on how much we feel pain. That's why like that numbness feeling can can accompany depression. We shut down. This is a, a, a feeling of hopelessness. This is a feeling of being trapped. Okay, so this is actually in a nervous system dysregulated state that we are stuck in when we are experiencing an episode of depression that goes on for you know days and weeks and months and longer. So why am I sharing all this with you? Because I want you to understand that this is not all happening psychologically. This is happening physiologically, which is awesome because if it's happening physiologically, there are Things we can do to help ourselves re-regulate our body that's going to help us feel better mentally. So, one of or there's many things that we can do, and we're gonna put them all under the umbrella of stimulating the vagus nerve. And there are many ways to stimulate the vagus nerve. Because remember, I said it pretty much travels and touches almost every single organ in our body. So, there are many ways that we can stimulate it. Who likes to sing? Who feels better when they sing? Singing out loud, singing in the car. I know that when I'm depressed, I don't sing. It's like I can't even access it. But singing is one way to stimulate the vagus nerve. Really, anything that is going to create a vibration in the back of our throat. So, this could be humming, this could be singing, this can be. Um, gargling, this can actually be activating the gag reflex, which I know sounds kind of crazy, but anything that's going to activate the vagus nerve in the back of our throat here can stimulate the, the vagus nerve and tone it. So when we sing, it's actually a way to help us regulate our nervous system. I know it sounds wild. Humming, think about like in yoga or in um different types of chanting cult you know cultures that use chanting like or just humming it's vibrating the throat and so one of the reasons why it helps bring you into like an aligned state of energy and calm and into your body is because you're activating your vagus nerve pretty cool right There's a ton of other ways to activate your vagus nerve. Some of my favorites are exercise. So moving your body, toning your vagus nerve, toning your muscles, toning your vagus nerve. We love it. Uh, Yoga, any type of movement, walking, toning the vagus nerve. Laughter can tone our vagus nerve. So think about having just a good deep belly laugh, right? Where you almost like can't stop. Toning the vagus nerve. Now you can actually um, trigger yourself to laugh. So usually I'm even like starting to do it just by thinking about it. But if you start to fake laugh, like if you just like like start to giggle out loud, like (laughs) you're going to start actually laughing and then it turns into a real laugh. Another thing you can do is yawn. So we all know that we can watch videos or other people yawn and then we get the reaction to yawn. So you can actually induce a yawn yourself. So you can fake yawn or you can make the R sound in the back of your mouth and then your body might just yawn. So let me see if I can do it. <sighs> like that. And actually a signal that you're moving from fight or flight into safety mode is that you will sigh, swallow, or yawn. So if you're doing any of these and you notice yourself sigh, swallow, or yawn, you know you are um, you are regulating your nervous system. Pretty cool. Some other ways that we're actually going to practice this week are um, breath work, so deep diaphragmatic breath work, cold exposure. So I don't actually know why that person's in bed in this photo now that I look at this, <laughs> but this should be, um, like somebody taking a cold plunge or doing a cold shower. Cause that is what I mean by cold exposure, cold hydrotherapy. Uh, meditation can also stimulate our vagus nerve. So as you can see, you might be doing some of these practices already and not really connecting why they're helping, but now you understand a little bit more and now you can utilize them on purpose, which is what I want you to do. So one of the techniques that we're going to practice today is breath work techniques to activate your vagus nerve. Now, some of you may utilize breath work techniques, just like deep belly breathing, nice and deep, nice and slow, nice and calm. And that, as we know, kind of helps us release stress, relax, get more into our body, which is us moving into safety, social engagement mode. So slow, deep breathing is one of the best ways, just in a few minutes, to regulate yourself back down into that grounded safety mode. But maybe you want to shock your system or shift your energy and not necessarily get into a calm mode, but get into like a stimulated mode. Maybe you want to shake it up, right? So We know that movement can do this. We know that dancing can do this. We know that getting into a cold shower can do this. So How do we do that with breath work? So we're going to actually practice a breath work technique today that's going to shift our energy and get it to kind of stimulate for a short bit of time. Now, why would we want to stimulate our nervous system for a short period of time? Why would we want to purposely get into like an Overact like a hyperactive nervous system state, essentially putting ourselves into fight or flight on purpose. Why might we want to do that? Because when we intentionally practice small stimulations of stress, and at, at the same time, we are teaching ourselves to calm back down, into safety mode, we're practicing resilience. We're practicing getting better at stress. We're toning our vagus nerve to become better at coming out of a stress state, to handling stress better. There's a, a term called hormesis, which is basically the practice of stressing yourself, your body out intentionally in small doses. So, that it kind of becomes better at it over the long term. So, we do this every time we exercise moderately or intensely. We do this every time we take a cold shower. We do this when we are breathing really heavy. We do this in multiple ways because it is a good thing to do this. And even when we are chronically stressed, even when we have chronic illness, even when we're dealing with depression or anxiety, practicing giving yourself little doses of stress actually helps your body become more resilient and stronger and better at it. And therefore your immune system increases and therefore you're better able to regulate out of a stress state when, you know, something happens and you get triggered into it. So this is really, really, really powerful. So we're going to take about 11 minutes of our time together and do a breathwork technique that we're going to use um, through Wim Hof, and he didn't create this technique, but he's definitely made it more popular, and basically what we're going to be doing is inhaling really deep through our nose, taking a nice deep belly breath in, you can even put your hands on your belly here so you can feel your belly expand, and we're going to be inhaling through the nose, Sorry and exhaling through the mouth. So it's going to look like this. Okay. And we're going to do it about 20 to 30 breaths. And then we're going to hold our exhale with all the air breathing out. We're going to do three rounds of this together. So I'm actually going to share the video with you so that you can see and follow along. And when it's done, we'll check in with each other and see how we feel. All right, let me share this screen.
2: I guess I could cut. All right. Is sound? Give me a second. Sorry. Planning a family vacation at a verbal home for Grandma's (laughs)
1: birthday. I tried to set it up so that we wouldn't have to watch a commercial.
2: And yet here we are, anyway. So, okay. This is a guided reading session. Relax to the deepest. Lie down, sit down, whatever it takes, relax. Are you ready? Here we go. Round number one. Breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. Let's go with the flow of the breath. In out. In, out. In, out. In, out. Into the belly, into the chest, and let go. Like a wave. Make it circular. Pulling in, letting go. Just keep on going. No pause between inhalation and exhalation. Ten more. Fully in. Let it go. Five more, let's give it all we got. Last one, Pull in and let go. All right, one minute, breath hold from now on. Be in this moment. Let the body do what the body is capable of doing. Be aware of your heartbeat, slow it down, and just be in this moment. Let that relaxation spread down to your toes, into your fingertips, to the base of your neck and head. You are almost there. Do you want to prolong your breath hold? Pause the video now and continue when you feel the urge to breathe. Okay. Recovery breath in. Five, four, three, two, one. Take a deep breath in and hold for 15 seconds. Exhale in three, two, one. Let it go. Round number two. Back into that rhythm. Breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. In out in in, out, into the belly, into the chest, and let go, like a wave. Make it circular, Pull in, letting go. Just keep on going. No pause between inhalation and exhalation. In with peace. Stress. And more. Pull in. Let it go. Nice deep circular breaths. Five more. Let's give it all we got. Last one, Julien. On the exhale, stop. One and a half minutes, breath hold from now on. Feel, become aware of your body. If your hands and feet are tingling, or you feel your body temperature is changing. That's okay. You're doing fantastic. If you need to breathe before I give the cue, that's okay. You are almost there. Do you want to prolong your breath hold? Pause the video now and continue when you feel the urge to breathe. you're ready, fully in, and hold for 15 seconds. Exhale in three, two, one. Let it go. Round number three. Back into that rhythm. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. In with the relaxation. Out with distress. In. Out. In. Out. In. Out. Into the belly. Into the chest. And let go. Like a wave. Make it circular in, letting go. Just keep on going. No pause between inhalation and exhalation. In with peace, out with stress. And more. Fully in. Let it go. Nice, deep, circular breath. Five more. Let's give it all we got. Last one. Julian. And on the exhale. Stop, one and a half minutes, breath hold from now on. I'm aware of the blood running through your veins, your heart beating, feel. 30 seconds left. You are almost there. You want to prolong your breath, hold. Pause the video now and continue when you feel the urge to breathe. All right. Breathe in. and Hold for 15 seconds. Exhale in three, two, one. Let it go. Let your breathing return to normal as you finish up the round. Move your body bit by bit, starting with your fingers and your toes. Let your breathing normalize. If you liked this guided breathing session, we got more for you. How did that feel? What did you guys notice
1: I definitely feel this new energy running through my body, like my blood has this energizedness to it. Uh my hand my hands feel cooler. I feel like my whole body feels a little bit on the cooler side, to be honest. I felt tingly during it.
2: How many of you didn't think you could hold your breath for as long as you did? It never ceases to surprise me how long I can hold that exhale.
1: So that is an example of breath work that's actually stimulating our nervous system, but in a way where we're helping ourselves become better at stress. By doing that practice every day for 10 minutes, that's all we were at it for, three rounds, 10 minutes, we're um, able to help strengthen our immune system, we're helping to strengthen our vagus nerve, we are helping our body become better, at coming out of stressed states, which for any of us who are experiencing any mental health stuff, we are in a chronically dysregulated nervous system state. So we're gonna shift gears and move into the next portion of today's talk. I'm gonna take a sip of coffee. <laughs>
2: And we're going to dive into
1: some nutrition. All right. So how many of us know that nutrition helps our physical health? We know it. Maybe we don't practice it always. Maybe we're always like, oh, I could do better at it. But we know it. How many of us have thought about how can nutrition help our mental health? I know I didn't. I didn't even know I had mental health until I didn't, <laughs> until I was struggling with my mental health, let alone did I ever connect what I ate, how I ate to how I was feeling, to how it impacted how I was feeling. For sure, I connected, We you know, when I'm stressed out and where I'm emotional, I might crave sugar and stuff like that more. I might want to Overindulge, I might actually, you know, stress eat or emotionally eat or binge eat. So there, I connected my emotional state to a dysregulated way of eating. But it wasn't until I started to really support and heal myself that I learned, wow, what I eat and how I eat actually impacts how I feel. So Hippocrates, you know, OG. Said it well. Let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. And I honestly couldn't agree more. (laughs) So, food is more than just calories in, calories out. Food is experience, food is connection to our world, to ourselves, to our social environment. Food is self care, food is nourishing, and it is an act of self love. Not just for our body, for, but for our mind and our soul as well. Food can be our greatest medicine. It can also be a poison. Food is information. It's a code that our body actually reads. It's chemistry. The information that we are putting into our body through what we are eating, through the foods that we're choosing, is what our body is going to utilize to run on and to literally create the very structures of the cells that make up our skin, our organs, our brain. Food literally talks to your body and your brain cells and tells our DNA how to function. We talked yesterday about epigenetics, the impact of our environment on our DNA. Well, food is a huge environmental factor that turns genes on or off, depending on what it is we're eating. And food lays the most powerful foundation for a true long lasting brain and body health or disease. ease We have the power to make a different choice every single moment of the day, For ourselves, for our lives, to either help us, hold us back, harm us. And I'm not talking about weight loss. I you will not hear me utter that word literally after I just did. I'm not talking about changing your aesthetics. Nutrition is so incredibly powerful when it comes to the health of our brain and our mind. And that power lies with our choices and our fingers <laughs> and our forks. <laughs> so, what's the research that backs up nutrition for mental health? They've done a bunch of studies. So, in 2017, they did something called a SMILES study, which was a um a uh can I think of this word? A um <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm losing my words. But anyway, it was a gold standard study. And so basically they sort of, they had people in different dietary support groups um, or just a social support group. So groups that are going to support them in learning about nutrition and then also helping them stick to it versus just like a social support group. Like we can do this. We're doing well, like I'm here for you kind of thing. So 30% of the people that participated the ones that were in the dietary support group had remission of their major depressive disorder. 30%, that's 30 out of 100 people who got nutrition support had remission meaning their depression went the symptoms re- reduced essentially went away. And only 8% of those in the social group had a remission. So those who improved what they ate the most experienced the greatest benefit to relieving their depression. In 2019, another study was done, and this was done on depressed individuals as well. It was done with them either eating what's called a Mediterranean type diet, which basically just means whole foods, (laughs) whole fresh foods, fruits, vegetables, proteins, and they received education from a nutritionist or dietitian. It was over the course of six months and the outcome was a significant reduction in symptoms of depression for people who ate whole foods and also got education from nutritionists and dietitians compared to the group that was not
2: eating whole foods.
1: This study, put um, the Mediterranean diet against what's called like the Western standard American diet, or basically the sad diet, um, which is just, you know, what processed Western food typically looks like. So what are they exactly doing the study? They, um, those that had a greater increase in fruit and vegetable intake showed the greatest improvements in their depression symptoms. Those who increased the whole grains that they consumed to three servings a day also improved their depression symptoms over three servings per day of protein from lean meats or poultry, eggs, tofu, beans, and three servings of fish a week. They had three servings per day of unsweetened dairy, three tablespoons of nuts and seeds per day, and then a bunch of different spices. And basically they followed this pattern of eating for three weeks. The participants who were depressed and ate in this whole food type of way had their depression score fall from the moderate depressed range all the way down to the normal range. And they reported lower levels of anxiety and stress as well, just from changing what they were eating. So what is so bad about Western's processed food and our mental health specifically? So First and foremost, even though this food tastes really good, right? It's delicious, don't get me wrong. I love some non-dairy ice cream. <laughs> can't have dairy because it upsets my stomach and so I remove that stress, obviously. I love you know, I love some of these foods. Um, and I feel okay having some of them. But ultimately, having a foundation, having them as the primary thing that I'm eating, is going to provide calories, Is going to provide proteins, carbs, and fats, but it's not going to provide the nutrients. It's not going to provide the vitamins, the minerals, the phytonutrients that our body and brain need for so many different things when it comes to our mental health. So it's nutrient deficient first and foremost. It is excessively high in calories and high in sugar, Um, More sugar than foods that are found in nature. I don't think that's any surprise. Um, And this is what can start to impact our blood sugar, which is, as you're going to learn in a second, can impact our anxiety and our mental health. It's going to contain an overabundance of chemicals that when we take them in day after day after day, are going to start to have harmful effects on our body over the long term. So I'm talking about like months and years and decades And this is stuff like, it's not new news, refined sugar, saturated fats. um, It's really processed fat, toxic preservatives and chemicals that are honestly banned in other parts of the world. Many of these foods are cooked with processed seed oils, so stuff like soybean oil, corn oil, canola oil, and these are inflammatory oils. So they're just going to promote the inflammatory response in our body, which is already on fire, which is already fueling the flames of poor mental health symptoms. And on the other end, they are low in the fats that are anti-inflammatory, which are omega-3 fats. So what are, you know, the way, what are some ways that optimizing nutrition can improve our mental health? So optimizing your nutrition is going to provide those vital nutrients, those vital vitamins, Minerals, phytonutrients, fiber, carbs, proteins, and fats that our body needs not only just to function but to function optimally. And when we you're gonna learn, when we are struggling when our body is in a stressed state, think about it. If you are overworking like at your job, don't you feel more tired? Don't you feel like you need more sleep? Don't you feel like you need more support? right? Well, if your body is overly stressed and chronically stressed and it's doing all this stuff to try and keep up with the you know the outside world or the lifestyle we've created for ourselves that is ultimately burning us out, it's going to be running through the nutrient stores and the nutrients that we're eating a lot faster than it would be if we were in a safe social engagement mode all the time it's always playing catch up. We're always like running low. And then if we're not consuming foods that provide these vital vitamins and minerals, we're not even refueling. Optimizing your nutrition is going to support our gut microbiome. I'm going to talk more in depth about this on Thursday, but it not only helps keep your gut bacteria happy and healthy and thriving, but it actually helps line, um, like keep the lining of our gut nice and strong so that it can do its job, which is keep out the pathogens. We don't want to weaken the lining of our gut, and that happens all the time now. It's called leaky gut. We do this to balance our blood sugar. Balancing our blood sugar, as you're going to learn today, plays a big role in Our body going into that fight or flight for a physiological reason that triggers anxiety, that triggers anger, that triggers irritability, that wakes us up in the middle of the night prematurely. And so this is really, really important when it comes to that. It's going to help put out those inflammation fires. So we don't want to be adding more fuel to, to the fire. It's going to lower oxidative stress and it's going to help keep our hormones in balance our hormones from insulin to our thyroid hormone to our adrenal hormones and to our sex hormones all of the hormones so as you're learning we're just we're not just puppets at the mercy of our DNA but rather we're the products of complex interactions between our genes and the environment and we can influence our environment. We have so much control over our environment every single day. What we're taking into our bodies, our mouth, our eyes, our ears, our brain, all of it. So how do we want to optimize the nutrients that we put into our body? This is not going to be crazy new information, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I do want to mention it. So we want to increase prioritizing whole foods as our main thing. We want to increase the variety of plants that we get. So that's fruits, that's vegetables, that's spices. That we want to increase organic proteins and get as much variety as you can. If you eat animal proteins, we do want to try and get as many different varieties as we can. And if you are only eating vegetarian forms of protein, you definitely want to be getting lots of variety from the most whole foods as you can to optimize your nutrients. We want to increase healthful fats, stuff that's omega three rich. That's going to help um, the anti inflammatory. That's going to help our brain function. You're going to learn later that the brain is actually made up of fifty percent fat. Fifty percent of our brain made up of fat. Yes, it's very important for our brain functioning. And we want nutrient dense carbohydrates. So there are tons of them from Tubers like potatoes and radishes, sweet potatoes, grains like rice and quinoa and other whole grains and things like that. We want to decrease, reduce processed foods, refined carbs and sugar. We want to reduce those processed seed oils. We want to eliminate consuming genetically modified foods because those are the ones that are going to have more chemicals on them from the pesticides and the herbicides that are being used. Reducing caffeine and reducing alcohol are all pretty much ways that we know already how to optimize the nutrients we put into your body. What I want you to take away with today is not just like the same old information, but maybe a new point of motivation for why you might want to make a different choice. We can all go down, you know, we can all go into our kitchen this is what we learned yesterday. Are we focused just on the doing or are we focus on our beliefs? I don't go downstairs into I say downstairs. I don't go into my kitchen and think what I'm gonna eat um, this and this today because I should. I'm not going to eat, you know, I'm gonna eat chicken or what I have for breakfast. I'm not gonna eat eggs and bison and my you know egg omelette. I don't think I'm gonna have that from a perspective of, I should have this, or I'm good if I have this. No. It doesn't come from the doing. Because I can do, you know, we can try a new diet. We can try to do this a million times over again. It comes from a different belief. I used to believe that eating well changed how I looked. And maybe that's still true, but that's not why I make the choices that I make. I have a true belief that what I eat impacts how I feel every moment of the day. And I have a belief that I want to feel energized and myself and like excited and good in my body so that I can show up and do work like this work that fuels me, feel passionate about, you know, have the energy to feel passionate about what I like to do. And so that's why I choose foods that make me feel good. So what is a new point of motivation that we can learn today for you to start to make new choices about what you are choosing to put into your body? So I'm going to share this um, information, and we're not going to spend a ton of time on the nutrition slides, but I do, again, they're all in your workbook, and I will absolutely point out key information that might be new for you, that might be new, okay? So, what is a whole food? Whole food. Think farm to table, or as close as possible. Foods that come from the earth. Foods that are in their in or close to their most natural state when you buy them. Whole grains. Talking like oats. Um, I'm talking rice. I'm talking quinoa versus bread. You know, or something made from refined flour. I'm talking legumes. I'm talking fresh fruits and vegetables. I'm talking whole, you know, the steak, chicken, edamame, olives, avocado, whatever, whole foods. Think foods that don't need labels listing, you know, a million different unpronounceable ingredients. The perimeter of the grocery store, okay? We've all probably heard that if you've taken at least one nutrition course. What is a processed food though? So there are different levels of processed food. Green, like minimally processed somewhat processed and then <clears throat> ultra processed. Minimally processed is going to be stuff that you're going to incorporate probably more often than not because it's like convenient. Like bagged spinach, <laughs> canned tuna, canned sardines, um baby carrots, uh grains and spices that are already, you know, dried. Stuff like that. Minimally processed. I give these a green light because they are pretty much as close to their natural state as we can get with just a little extra convenience um, poured in. Processed foods, the ones that fall in the middle, are basically um, processed at their peak to lock in nutritional quality and freshness. And so these are things that um, are, again, going to be maybe a little bit more convenient for us. And sometimes we may choose them and sometimes not. Um, this can be like, let's see, like uh, almond milk, um, frozen vegetables, frozen fruits, stuff like that, stuff that's canned, things like that I would put in the processed category, and then we come to the ultra processed foods, and this is really what I'm talking about when we talk about the Western sad diet that is causing us more harm. So actually a 2020 study showed ultra processed foods may increase the risk of depressive symptoms, particularly in people who are less active. Why is this? Because processed foods increase inflammation and oxidative stress in our body. And while we can tolerate it for a while, year after year after year of having this stress be put into our body through our mouth is going to hit a ceiling we actually will start to lose tolerance for the amount of stress that we can take into our body. And our stress load starts to become too much for the body to combat. And so over time, we start to develop symptoms that don't go away, like food sensitivities, high blood sugar, anxiety, depression, brain fog, low energy. And it could be because of the processed foods being a main staple, main staple in what we're eating. So has anyone ever felt like connected better or worse after eating certain foods?
2: Yes, exactly, exactly.
1: So let's move into understanding a little bit more why protein is so important for our mental health. So I'm going to point out a couple specific reasons why protein, quality protein, is so important. So this is two um, brain chemicals. One of them is called serotonin. The other one is called dopamine. You may have heard of them. And they do play a big role in our mental well-being. Serotonin, more so in feeling well, in feeling, um, in balancing our moods, And dopamine more in the feeling of being motivated, the feeling of being driven, the feeling of having um, like a goal and going after a goal is the feeling of of, uh, proper dopamine. So, why are protein important when it comes to our brain chemicals? That's because protein is a vital, necessary ingredient in the production of our brain chemicals not just these two there's more but i wanted to utilize this as an example so proteins broken down into amino acids through digestion breaks down the protein we absorb the amino acids and they go and they do a lot of different jobs one of them is to help build muscle and connective tissue the other is to make our brain cells so protein the amino acid tryptophan is responsible for creating serotonin. And down here, the amino acid tyrosine is responsible for making dopamine. So right off the bat, if we are not getting these proteins into our body on a regular basis, our body just doesn't have the ingredients to make these brain chemicals. Now said. To add one more point, we need something called, like we need to think of it like if you were making a recipe and the recipe was ending in serotonin, (laughs) we need ingredients like main ingredients, like our tryptophan, but we also need some spices, right? We need to add those spices in because spices really make the meal. And in our scenario, the spices are our vitamins and minerals. So if you can see here, these essential nutrients that are needed to convert tryptophan to 5-HTP and then 5-HTP to serotonin are things like vitamin B6, B3, zinc, folate, magnesium, vitamin C. So again, if we're not getting these essential nutrients through the foods that we're eating, we don't have the ingredients to make our brain chemicals. It's so simple. (laughs) It's really that powerful. It's really that powerful. Now, when we talk about quality of protein, animal protein versus plant sources of protein, we do um, come up against some controversy, but I will say that when we compare beef to beans, and beans are like a good plant source of protein as well as vitamins and nutrients, they still do not really compare, excuse me. So the, the variety of amino acids that are going to be within the steak protein is going to be a lot more variety than just the plant source alone. That's why vegetarians usually know this. They combine their proteins together. So they combine like beans with rice to make it a complete protein, which means all the amino acids are present. So in this scenario, steak is going to have more variety there. And then even in the vitamin and mineral category, there's going to be key things that the steak might have more than the kidney beans, which are important when it comes to our mental health things like zinc things like b vitamins things like magnesium things like selenium things like what else we got um iron and copper all of that so it's super super important to incorporate solid sources of protein and then as i said before lots of good veggies as well how much do we need so I recommend having a source of protein with every meal or every time you eat. This is gonna slow the digestion and absorption of your food, which is gonna help manage your blood sugar. Blood sugar imbalances are directly connected to causing depression and anxiety when our blood sugar starts to become dysregulated. We need more protein than average when we are going through chronic stress, whether that's physical or mental. So generally when we are experiencing anxiety and depression, We need more quality protein so that we can replenish what is being utilized. I would aim for three to five ounces of protein at each meal, which is about 30 grams of protein. Here are some of my favorite animal sources of protein, the highest quality. And here are some great plant sources of protein as well in high quality. And I gave how many grams exist for more or less a serving. Let's shift over into plants, plant diversity, veggies, fruits, all the things. So a key here to remember is the number 30. We want as much variety in the plants that we eat as possible because diversity on our plate means diversity in our gut microbiome, our gut bacteria. They eat the um, plants that we eat. Okay, so they're going to eat the fiber. That is what they thrive on. They thrive on the fiber, the indigestible fiber that comes from a lot of these plants. This is what is called prebiotics, it's bacteria food. (laughs) And the more diversity of plants that we have, the more we have foods that different bacteria thrive on. And so it helps promote diversity in our gut bacteria. Our gut bacteria are directly. Uh, impacting our mental health. I like to say, if we are not doing our job to keep them happy and healthy, we literally, as a human, are not going to be happy and healthy. That's how important they are. We want variety. We want that to provide essential vitamins and minerals, as we just learned, are so, so vital into creating our brain chemicals, as well as tons of other responsibilities. This is going to help create satiety and satiation. Also, just like how much more colorful when our plate looks more colorful how much more satisfying does it look to eat yes here is a great slide that you're going to want to screenshot or remember and look up in the workbook so when to buy organics so that environmental working group puts out a chart essentially every year helping us to deduce what are the best fruits and vegetables that we should buy. Um, organic and which ones we can pretty much not have to spend, you know, $5 on <laughs> and buy conventional. So the dirty dozen are the ones you want to buy organic. Strawberries, spinach, nectarines, apples, grapes, peaches, hot peppers, sweet bell peppers, the list continues. The ones that we can sort of, you know, you know, choose to buy conventional are like avocados and pineapple, onions, broccoli, mushrooms, they're called the clean 15. So this is a great chart to bring with you to the grocery store. Honestly, it doesn't change that much year to year. So you can pretty much go back to it always. Let's talk about carbs, carby carbs. All right. What type of fuel are you burning? Think about a fire. Think about stoking a fire, fire on the beach. Why not? Right. Are you going to start your fire Let me ask you this. Would you rather be constantly adding small kindling sticks to a fire that keep going out like every few minutes? Or would you rather add logs on top of a fire that's already burning for a nice, long, sustained burn? So let me ask it again Do you want to, you know, you have a fire on the beach, it's already going. How do you want to keep it firing? (laughs) Do you want to constantly be adding little sticks to it or do you want to be putting some nice big logs on top of it? Blood sugar is a fire, AKA our energy. Carbohydrates are those little sticks, fats are the logs. Carbs burn fast. They definitely create a big fire. They definitely give us a lot of energy when we have them, but they burn up fast. Fats will create a little bit less, a little bit less of a fire, a little bit smaller when we put the log on, but it's going to sustain. It's going to sustain that fire for like hours. And that's what we want. So what am I talking about? Blood sugar and our mood go hand in hand. When we are fueling our body with just carbs, we're causing our blood sugar to spike and then drop really fast. We're causing that fire to burn and then fizzle out really fast. When we include fats, healthy fats in our meal, we are helping our blood sugar be nice and long and sustained. Now, why does this matter? Because when our blood sugar is in chaos, it looks like a King to car roller coaster where it spikes up really fast and then comes down really fast. And this leaves us feeling all sorts of fight or flight symptoms because actually our nervous system has entered into fight or flight, being triggered by the fact that we don't have enough energy in us. So we're going to feel overwhelmed and irritated. We're going to feel hangry, hungry, and irritated and angry. It's can, it can actually trigger a full-blown anxiety attack and panic attack. So just not having enough food causing your blood sugar to go too low can be the trigger for an anxiety and a panic attack, especially if you are prone to having them. If you've already primed that pump, you can trigger yourself into a panic attack. Anxious, panicky, low moods, angry, spacing out, can't remember things, can't focus, irritable, cranky, headaches, lightheaded, agitated, intense cravings for sweet things, like a demonic urge to eat sweet things. This is what it feels to be in blood sugar chaos. Because we have triggered ourselves into fight or flight by what we are eating we can do this in two ways we can do this by eating a very high carb or processed carb sugary meal it can even happen when you just eat like a bowl of cereal because there's not enough fat in that meal it's going to trigger your blood sugar to go up and then drop really fast so then we're in fight or flight because the body when we when our blood sugar drops too low it actually is life threatening now the body has backup mechanisms for this which is what creates some of these fight or flight signals. And the backup mechanism is the body releases cortisol. The body releases cortisol, our stress hormone, so that it can release um, basically stores of blood sugar in our body to bring our levels back to normal. So we know we release cortisol. that's a stress hormone? We're going to feel stressed. We're going to be in stressed nervous system state. All contributing to the downward feelings of our mental health. So what can we do about this? Well, we can definitely do something about this by eating breakfast and making sure that the core of it is around protein and fat, quality protein and fat. And then we can sprinkle in the carbs as we want. Increasing your healthful fats and proteins really at all meals, incorporating grass-fed meats and pastured pork and lamb bison wild game um dairy, depending on if you're sensitive to it or not. eating a meal every three hours. get out of the habit of needing to snack between meals one because we often think of snacking and we just grab something small, something more like those little sticks, those little carbs that we're just gonna flame the fire, and then bring it right down again. And two, because when we get out of this dysregulated cycle, we actually can start to adapt to it. So if you focus on eating meals every three to four hours, you're actually helping yourself in the long run. Now, if you are someone who wakes up in the middle of the night, like around 2, 3 a.m., and you just cannot fall back to sleep, you need to listen to this. So this is because your cortisol is spiking overnight because your blood sugar is dropping too low overnight. There could be a bunch of reasons why this is happening, but one of the easiest ways to see if it's connected to your blood sugar and what you're eating is to change when you are eating. So kind of like move some things around. So you want to follow all the tips I just shared above about what to eat and when to eat it every three to four hours. And you want to have a small amount of protein or fat before you go to sleep. So something like a slice of turkey or a spoonful of nut butter, something that's going to help sustain that fire overnight so that it doesn't start to fizzle out. If you do wake up in the middle of the night and you want to have a triage tip, so something to help you go back to sleep faster. You can have like a couple sips of juice and maybe a couple nuts to help bring your blood sugar back to a natural state. And then your cortisol will come down and it will help you fall back to sleep sooner. So you can give that a try. Same thing if you wake up feeling anxious, you wake up like boom, anxiety, mind going, all the things you can give that same idea a try. So whole grains, you have ones with gluten in them. You have ones without gluten in them, depending on if you're gluten sensitive. That is something that we'll talk more about in the gut health day. Plants are great sources of carbohydrates, and they have such a variety of vitamins and minerals. And last but not least, we're going to talk about our fats, because as I said before, the brain is 50% fat. Fat is essential for our mental health. Fats make up the cell structures of our body cells and our brain cells. So if we're not getting enough fat, we're literally not going to have strong cells. That's really important when it comes to thinking like, you know, we want to have strong brain cells. What are some of the best fats that we can have? Olive oil, flax oil, grass-fed meat, egg yolks, lard, yes, lard, coconut oil, Dark chocolate, ghee, which is um, unclarified butter, avocado, nuts and seeds, cold water, fatty fish like salmon and sardines and anchovies and mackerel. Best sources of fats out there. We want to focus on getting those fats that I mentioned and cutting out these fats, really reducing our canola oil use, our soybean oil, peanut oil, processed meat, sunflower oil. Rapeseed oil, grapeseed oil, margarine, hydrogenated oils. If you notice, almost all chips, um, you know, snack products have one of these oils in them. It's almost impossible to find ones that are made with like coconut oil or avocado oil, but they're out there. So even if you do, you're like, I want chips and I want to feel good about them, go on Amazon, you'll find something, or make your own like plantain chips or potato chips at home and make it with your own oil. And last but not least, um, when it comes to depression, there are a lot of studies that show that having a therapeutic dose of omega-3 fish oil is something that can help reduce those depression symptoms. It doesn't help everybody, but it definitely does help if this is something that you're missing. And so it is absolutely worth a try. I'm talking about high doses of EPA Fish oil. So, in fish oil, you're going to have EPA and DHA. You want to get a brand that has a high concentration of EPA. I'm talking like a thousand to two thousand milligrams per serving. So, it's going to be about like a one to two ratio. It'll be maybe like five hundred um, milligrams of DHA and a thousand of EPA. You want the higher dose EPA. Studies are showing that it is that that is actually helping decrease depression symptoms. Um, they, They hypothesize it's in part because of the decrease in inflammation. All right, woo, what a day, you guys. What a day too, totally packed. All right, so I have some homework for you just so that you can start to implement some of the stuff that we're talking about. So the first piece of homework is I want you to practice one biggest nerve stimulation activity every day for the rest of this week. Today we did um, breath work, but I want you to try another one today from the list. It could be singing, it could be gargling, cold shower, whatever. And then comment in our group and share what your experience was. And then the second piece is what is one new personal motivation you learned today that inspires you to implement better nutrition? All right. And tomorrow, we have another really, really, really good day full of stuff. So we're going to talk about EFT tapping as a method to help release stress. And we're going to go over lab testing, the best lab testing to get, and why why it can come back that your lab tests seem normal, even though you don't feel great. And then we're also going to talk about amino acid supplements. These are amino acids. I have them here. They're just supplements. They're like we talked about today, broken down bits of protein, and you can take them individually. Like you can take tryptophan to help increase your natural production of serotonin. You can take tyrosine to help increase your natural production of dopamine. But it's not like something that's going to work for everyone, because as I said, all the reasons that why we're experiencing low poor mental health are different. But I have some questionnaires that are going to um, help kind of direct you on which which amino acids might be best for you to help relieve some of your symptoms. So you definitely don't want to miss that out on that. It's going to be a really good interactive day. All right. Thank you so much, everybody, for being here. Um, For those of you who came on live today, thank you so much. And I will be posting the replays. on our replay page. um, And I cannot wait to answer your questions. I'm going to have you guys post your questions in the Facebook group so that everybody can see them and I will go answer them there. Have an amazing rest of your day. Bye. Thank you.